Let me share with you just uh, briefly, actually. I'm going to share briefly today, unless the Holy Spirit says uh, that was you saying that and it wasn't me. But I want to just talk to you about love and the love commandment. When we first started the fellowship, I, we preached on love so much uh, because, and, and the fact that we were one people. But I, I think that sometimes we take love for granted. We think that love is one of those elementary things that we, we do and we put up with, or, well, that's boring. Uh, preach something about how to become uh, uh, very rich in this world's goods or something. Sometimes we are like that. And the reason I say that, I don't say that because... Uh, that's just an opinion I have. I, I say it by the response that Christians have all over the world to messages about money and wealth and, and, and the, the lack of response they have about faith and holy living. I, I tell you, you can t the, the wealth and health and wealth uh, preachers have large offerings when they leave, love offerings, lots of them. But those who preach about living holy and righteous before God, we have to always supplement their offerings. So that's how I know we pay more attention. It's affected us. And in some places in the world, it's like uh, this, this thing is on steroids. I mean, it is really just ruining the church. But I, but I believe the Holy Spirit led me to teach on First John, he loves us. And, uh, you know, when you know you're loved, you can overcome anything. It's amazing how uh, men and women, when they know they're loved, how they comport themselves. Even the man will stand up stronger and start to get a little cocky and, and move around with a little swagger when he knows that woman loves him. And the, the, the woman will, will lift up and she's, she's confident now because she knows she's loved and she's all gregarious and, and walking around and she has some little spunk and stuff and you can tell, oh, that girl knows she's loved. Yeah, you've seen that. It's the truth. But, you know, I always, somebody says, you know, you can always tell uh, things about the pastor uh, if, uh, by looking at his wife. And so I was, I was always a little concerned about that, you know. <laughs> You know, that, that I, you know, the camera's going, my wife, and she's looking, you know, I'm thinking. So, you know, but just to make sure, babe, before we leave home, I love you, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, just in case the camera's on you, because you can always tell. You can always tell people who are loved, and, and uh, I've seen people who were, were, were considered um, an ugly duckling, but because they were loved, man, that, they were amazing. Uh, the, the guy that I, I talked to you about sometimes, Joe Boy. Joe Boy was not good looking. He was not, but he didn't know it. <laughs> because he was so loved. He did not know it. That was the coolest guy, and everybody loved and wanted to be Joe Boy's girlfriend. Because, but Joe Boy did not have it here, you know? But there's something that love can do for you. And the Bible says that, that, that we love because he first loved us. Don't ever underestimate that power of love, of, of the love of God. And God loving us has made us able to love. But sometimes I find that Christians don't value that as they should. They don't value love, being loved and loving, 
or they don't value loving as much as they value being loved. But because so often we don't, we don't comport, conduct ourselves as people who have been commanded to love. I, my subject today is the love commandment. So Jesus commands love. That's amazing. I, I didn't say he demanded love, but he commands love. So the commandment to love one another is not a request. It is a command, a command to love. In John 13, verses 34 and 35, John 13, verses 34 and 35, I, I, I'm going a little bit different than I had planned. A new commandment, he says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And he uses the word agapao and agape. Agapao carries with it, this is a Greek word for love, and uh, it's one of the Greek words for love. There are many Greek words for love. Eros is one. Uh, phileo is another. Uh, agape, uh, agapao. Those are uh, forms of love. But in English, we have uh, one word for love. You know, I love you. I love him. I love them. I love the flowers. I love the food. I love God. You know, I love my pet. My pet. You know, just one, one word for love. But in, in the Greek, uh, there, there are ways to express brotherly love and uh, love for God, etc. And love for your wife, the eros. But here, this uh, word agape carries, uh, agapeo, carries with it a sense of doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason. Is that how you comport yourself? Is that how you live your life? Do you do the right thing at the right time for the right reason? So you are not loving somebody for what you can get out of it. You know, we heard a lot in the news about quid pro quo. You know, I, I love you for something I'm, I'm getting. Uh, a young man said, a wonderful young man who was helping his father do a marriage conference here once said, I thought initially, I thought this young boy, what is he going to teach us? He's only 41 years old. What does he know about marriage? But, but he taught me something. That's good, isn't it? He taught me something. He stood up at this podium and he said, I never knew how selfish I was until I got married. Wow. In other words, he loved that girl. He did love that girl. But he loved that girl because of what he was going to receive. Is that how we're going to conduct our lives? Do we love only those who love us? Do we love those who are doing something wonderful for us? What will we do when they change? Or should they change? What if they have a bad day? Some people wake up with a bad day. Nobody's done anything to them. They don't have a crick in their neck or anything. <laughs> they just wake up and they, they, they have a bad day. They think they call those biorhythms or something. I don't know. But they wake up with a bad day. Well, what are you going to do if your spouse wakes up and is not happy? Will you now have a bad hair day too? I mean, as a believer, you have been commanded to love. 
And when Jesus spoke that command, then if, when you were born again, if your heart were open, if it were open to the Lord, that command, that ability, that, that uh, uh, strength went into your heart. So then you had an enablement by the spoken word of God. And when you read the word, it, the word should have come into your heart and given you strength and ability to do what God said. That's how this works. It's not magic. Jesus' name is not magic. It's power, not magic. And if you and I are open to it, we receive. You'll give the Lord a blessing. Agape love means, uh, I mean, let me add, agapao also means loving someone like a friend, like a true friend. You have their best interest at heart. And uh, this word occurs 110 times in the New Testament. 110 times God is saying to us, and this speaks specifically for behavior between two people. That's what it does. And so God's interest uh, is that we love him, yes, but that we love each other also. For, for loving God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, all your strength, everything you've got is the first commandment, but the second one is commensurate. He says it's likened to it. So it means it's commensurate. It's equal to you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We're not doing that very well. We're not doing that very well, but that's the command of God. You shall. It didn't say do it if you feel like it. How many of you, you can raise your hand, I'm not talking about husbands and wives, but there are times when you have been in relationship with somebody and they acted up. They may have surprised you. What was your response? Or did you have an involuntary reaction? You know, involuntary reaction. So I really believe that we are failing at this. I believe we are failing at this. Now, let me get a little context here quickly. Um, last night was one of those nights. I talked a lot about what happened in me, and I never build myself up to be somebody special and supernatural, you know, and all that. You know, I'm Superman. But I was asleep last night. I couldn't get to sleep, so I read the Word and different things, and, and I just, my sleep just left me. And I was kind of, uh, oh, let me pray. So I prayed. But when I, when I woke up, I had a little edge on me. And I mean, I mean, it wasn't like a bad thing, but I, I felt like, Lord, don't let me get up here and fuss at people, you know, because I feel like I want to say we got to do a better job of loving. You know, I didn't want to fuss. So I'm not fussing like that, am I? Okay. I don't want you help me out. So, so I, I want you to understand that, that we are not loving each other and we are not the loving entity or body that God wants us to be. We have to do that. Now, I cannot love uh, Democrats and Republicans and independents if I can't love my wife. If I can't love, I can't love my wife, I surely can't love somebody whose policies and, and desires are adverse to mine. But God is asking us to love, and we are to be this great body, bastion of the love of God. We are, we are to be a reservoir of the love of God. And there should never be a drought. Amen. We don't have to ration out our love. I was, I was away from work one time, I mean, away working, 
uh, when I was at the fellowship, had, you know, talked to the elders about it, was out working, supplementing my income a while, number, number, many number of year, years ago. And I came home, and we were in a drought, but my grass was dead because I hadn't been home to water it. So I was out there watering my grass, and somebody, one of my neighbors called the police on I mean, not the police, but the, the water police on <laughs> Yeah, it was the water police. And this guy came, drove up, a little light blinking, a little yellow light, and he said, yeah, uh, uh, you're, what are you doing? You're watering your grass. I said, yeah. I said, man, I've been gone for a couple of weeks. You know, been gone, haven't had a chance. My grass is dying. And so I figured since I missed all those days of watering that I could come and do it at one time. He said, that's not the way it works. <laughs> you know, so I'm going to let you off this time, but next time it's going to cost you $500. Whoa. I, he got my attention, but he also got my dander up. And I was bothered with him. I thought, I didn't say anything rough to him, but I was bothered with him. I wanted to say something. But I'm thinking, man, what, how dare you? You know, this is not right. But it was the law. We had rationing. We had to ration our water. Well, we're not like that. The kingdom that we have it does, should never have a, a short supply of the love of God like South Texas sometimes has of water. Are you still with me? So we should be loving people. You, you, we, should, we, we, should, we should be watering our neighbors generously. If those who agree with us, those who don't agree with us, those who love us and those who don't love us, for herein is the love of God made manifest. That's our responsibility, and God has given it to us. He has spoken it into us. And so in the day of... When we are in front of the judgment seat of Christ, we will have no excuse. Are you with me? Yeah. Let me tell you what Jesus says. And I won't, I, I won't be long, I promise. I, I'm reminded of the time I was flying uh, in, in Southwest Airlines years ago. I was, uh, I was flying Southwest. I was coming from Houston, and uh, I didn't like to fly. I never liked to fly because I don't like to be like 30,000 feet or 38,000 feet and, and, and just shaking off. I just don't like it, you know. And we were coming out of Houston, that plane was bucking like a Bronco. It was like a wild Bronco. And we're just bucking and bucking. I thought, Jesus, is this it? You know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know uh, I was having some issues. And, uh, and then the pilot did one of the most terrible things. I, I call it a dastardly thing. He did a terrible thing. He said, folks, oh, Jesus. That's really a true story. He said, it's, folks, he said, it's like the dog said when the train ran over his tail. It won't be long now. <laughs> I was so, I was so angry with that pilot. I lost probably 10 years of my life. So I promise you, it won't be long now. It won't be long now. In 1 John, in 1 John chapter 3, verses 23-24, 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, verses 23-24, John says, and this is his commandment. Whose commandment is it? His commandment. It's the Lord Jesus' commandment that we should believe on the name, I mean, it's God's commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, that what we, should we do? Believe on the name 
of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave his commandment. So what he is doing is he is bringing those two things together by the conjunction and, and he says, this is the father's commandment that you believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. They go together. I cannot love God whom I've not seen and not love you. You don't have to agree with me for me to love you. We were talking about Pastor Charles today, a lot about Pastor Charles today. Even in my office, they were talking about Pastor Charles today. He's, he's obviously with us. He's with us in spirit. We, have, we all love him so much. And, and it's hard to sometimes even, well, I don't want to talk about it. But, but, but he and I were best of friends. But we weren't the same. We were different. But we couldn't see our differences. Our differences weren't stark. They weren't like porcupine quills. They were not at all. We absolutely loved each other. And he knew I would die for him, and, and I knew he would do the same. But, I, but love covered. Love covered all the differences. It's amazing. I don't think we knew we were different until we just sat down and thought about it. Are you with me? Are you with me? This is what God wants to display to the world, and we're fighting God. I remember in the 70s, those of you who, who were uh, uh, in ministry in the 70s, remember somebody, I think, wrote a book that your arms are too short to box with God or something like that. Remember that? Your arms are too short to box with God. Why are we fighting God? So that uh, against what should be now the outworking of our new nature. Amen. Love should not be a difficult task for born-again people. Amen. Why do we have so much trouble in our relationships? Somebody is selfish, not selfish, not selfless, but selfish. So that's what happens, all right? You still love me? Now, now, verse 24 says, Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Wow. Wow. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him. So if I really want to experience what it means to abide in God, I have to obey. So you and I, if we are not obeying this love commandment, we really don't really know fully what it means to abide. Now, I'm not saying I fully arrived, but I tell you what, I can see the arrival station. I can at least see it because I've been just meditating on loving God and I said, God, it's amazing what your love for me is doing to me. It's given me a new mindset, a, a, a mindset that it is not fickle, that's, that doesn't fluctuate. But now it's not so difficult in a negative situation to say, Don Lavelle, be quiet now. Lord, I love you so much. 
Thank you, Jesus, for this thing. Thank you for what's going on right now. Thank you, Lord. Because what I'm realizing is that what's going on, though it's painful in one sense, I know God is working something of himself in me. It's amazing. Now, I'm, I'm learning experientially patience. I'm learning experientially forgiveness. And I'm learning experientially how to say to myself, sit down, be quiet, and be godly. That's what that's about. Amen? I'm going to read something and then I'm done. Okay? I didn't say I'm going to read something and then I'm D-O-N-E. I'm done. Okay, let me read something. I'm going to read a little bit in, in Espanol and, uh, and just a, a couple, maybe three verses. In First John chapter 4, I was looking at it in Spanish, and I, I love it in Spanish, you know. And no hablo muy bien el español, pero yo trato, okay? And so if you understand Spanish, I say I don't speak it well, but I try. And so I, I really love it because what I find in, in, in traveling the world is that God does something in every people group of himself, every language, he, he shows something of himself, and that we, that's why the enemy fights our togetherness. He fights our unity, because every one of us brings something. I'm not talking about just from a natural uh, point of view, but God has done something spiritually in us. Let's read it. Queridos hermanos, no crean a cualquiera que pre pretend pretenda estar inspirado por el Espíritu, sino sometanlo a prueba para ver si es de Dios. Porque han salido por el mundo muchos falsos profetas. En esto pueden discernir quién tiene el Espíritu de Dios. Ok, en esto pueden discernir quien tiene el Espíritu de Dios. Todo profeta que reconoce que Jesucristo ha venido en cuerpo humano es de Dios. Todo profeta que no recono reconoce a Jesús no es de Dios, sino del anticristo. Ustedes han oído que este viene, en efecto, ya está en el mundo. I just thought this said something really pretty, for, beautiful for me. And, and I know it says it in English where I can understand it. But he says here, beloved brethren, uh, 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 don't believe everybody who pretends to be inspired by the Spirit of God. But submit yourself, but, but to submit them or it to a test, to a, a prueba, to see if they're of God. Because uh, the, uh, many have gone out into the world, and they're false prophets. And so he says to us that don't you, let me read it in English. Let me go back to my English. Prefiero, prefiero leer in English. First John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So what he's saying is that you are living in a, in a dark world and there are many false prophets, so test them. Yeah. And this he says, and I, I'm going to give you an answer. By this you know the Spirit of God. So every one of us says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Yeah. Every spirit that confesses, 
every spirit that acknowledges, every spirit that agrees that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit does not confess, that does not acknowledge, does not agree that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. And this is what he says to us. And I'm going to close with this. This is what he's saying. He's saying, you can know who is of God and who is not. He said, you can know by, by their acknowledgement, not just by verbal, uh, verbal means, but you can know by the way they conduct their lives. You can know because we not only say the right thing, but we live and do the right thing. He says, this is of God. I fear that many of us are closing our eyes to the truth of God. And, and that's why we have trouble in our relationships. Right here in Nueces County, we have trouble in relationships. We have trouble expressing ourselves. And now the church is just seen as another nice social organization rather than a place where there's the a reservoir of the power of God and the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God. Amen. It's just another place. You and I, let's give the Lord hand. You and I must resist these spirits that are there. Spirit of division. A secular spirit, an ungodly spirit. And sometimes even when we desire to do good, that evil thing is present and a lot of times I see believers latching on to what's evil and trying to ask and, or make God bless it. I said to a pastor just yesterday, standing right here, I said, I, I, don't, I, I don't embrace those things. We were talking about some things. I said, I don't embrace, embrace those things because they're so divisive. We, we have a kingdom that can't be shaken. Why would we lay that aside and embrace what can be shaken and what is destined to be destroyed? I ask you. Now, my final words are that I believe we are in a time, as the Holy Spirit revealed to me several months ago, a time of great transition. And when the Holy Spirit says those things to me or to you, we cannot act as though he didn't say it based on what we see and feel. Great transition, and this is what I see. I see many believers being like, in a, in a sense, like the children of, Eph, uh, of Ephraim. And Joshua, the book of Joshua, I think it's chapter 17, where they went to Joshua and they said, Joshua, we don't like, I'm a paraphrase, we don't like what Moses did. We are great people. They were a larger number. He says, and uh, uh, Moses just gave us this little plot of ground. And so Joshua said, look, if Mount Ephraim is too small for you, then why don't you go up to the wood country or the forest in the mountains and fight the giants and take the land from the Anakim. And the scripture says they did. They did. A, they went up and they believed the word of God and they succeeded. And I think that all of us should not look at our relationship with the Lord as though it's something local or just something 
earthly for a here, but that we will see this all that we do as an extension of our lives. I, I do righteously here because I'm going there. I, I'm going to be, you and I are going to be a part of his, the family that rules the universe forever. That's why the scripture says, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you visit him? You have made him a little lower than the angels, but you have crowned him with glory and honor and put him over the works of your hands. That's who we are. That's who we are. And we must demonstrate it. Let's demonstrate it. So let's be very careful how we conduct our lives here in the here and now because there's something greater. In Jesus' name, let us love one another. Would you stand with me? Thank you. Thank you for coming and thank you for giving us a little extra time. Thank you. If you're here today and you never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved today. I want you to raise your hand. If, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. But I want you to raise your hand if you say, I want to receive Jesus. Just raise your hand. I see, I, I see several hands back there. Okay. Do I see any hands over here? What about over here? I, want, I see hands, many hands. Let us pray. And one day I'll ask you to come to the front. How is that? But today I want you to pray with me. God, forgive me of my sins. I repent. I change my mind about them. I come to you for help. And I ask you to make me a part of, my, of your family. And I will serve you all the days of my life. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Save me. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe he, he was raised from the dead. I believe that he ascended to heaven. I thank you for saving me today, making me a new person. In the name of Jesus, amen. I believe that's, that's what God wants to do. It may not seem much, but it's a whole lot. It's a whole lot. It may not seem like much, but it's a lot. Because the Bible says that when you and I confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means those of us who are coming to Jesus for the first time, and it also means those of us who are saved. Amen?